Hello, what hello. Up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Jack, Let Me Ask You. And we got Cassandra with a question. Would you like to go and introduce that for us, please? Uh, sure. So the question for today's episode is pretty straightforward. What is nature versus nurture? So essentially, the nature versus nurture debate is whether or to what extent are aspects of human behavior inherited or, or acquired. So Alex, did you want to go ahead and give us a definition for both nature and nurture? Sure, I will. So in the context of the nature versus nurture <laughs> debate, nature refers to biological genetic predispositions impact on human traits and nurture describes the influences of learning and other influences from one's environment. Any more <laughs> dumbed down, I guess, definition? Um, nature is just like genetic inheritance and other biological factors like genes and traits and stuff like that. Nurture is the external factors like exposure, life experiences and interactions. Perfect. Uh, John, did you want to go ahead and uh, tell us about the extreme end of nature? So for one of the um, extremes, they're, they're categorized as the nativist. Their view is essentially that, you know, based upon like what you have for your genetics, your genes and kind of like the traits that you, you've acquired, that is essentially going to go and dictate um, kind of like who you are and stuff like that. Um, so there's not, they're not really looking as opposed to the opposition of like the nurture, like experience or things like that. They're just solely thinking like your DNA is dictating who you essentially are and how you will go ahead and behave. But what is the other side to it, Cassandra? So the extreme, uh, nurture position or empiricism in this case, uh, basically states they believe that a person is born with a blank slate or as they refer to it, uh, tabula rasa. Mm-hmm. And basically, this blank slate that you're born with is filled with your experiences, interactions, things like that, throughout your life. Again, basically how the environment shapes who you are as opposed to uh, being born the way you are. So, for this episode, we decided it was better for us to choose one experiment that kind of addressed both sides of the debate, nature and nurture. Given the 20 minute, 30 minute time period, it's practically impossible to go into detail with all these, you know, very well-known experiments that support either side. Right. For example, uh, the bubble dog experiment for nurture and things like that. You have to go into detail to really do the experiment and the results justice. So the example we decided on is a well-known case of uh, three identical strangers. So, Alex, did you want to go ahead and introduce that to us? Definitely. So, Three Identical Strangers is a 2018 documentary that depicts the lives of Edward Gallen, David Kelman, and Robert Shafran, a set of identical triplets adopted as infants by separate families. It recounts how the brothers discovered one another by, by chance at the age of 19. Their public and private lives in the years followed, and their eventual discovery that their adoption had been part of an undisclosed scientific nature versus nurture study of the development of genetically identical siblings raised in differing socioeconomic circumstances. Right, so like Alex said, uh, these triplets met by chance. I believe uh, Robert showed up at school one day and he was being confused by... Um, Edward. Edward, thank you. And then uh, basically the media ended up printing out a story about them and then... David. David uh, saw the story and then he realized, you know, 
oh my god i'm the third one there's not they're not twins it's triplets and then they basically go on and explain everything um so like alex said uh the triplets met by chance so they lived their entire lives not knowing of each other and then when they met they were obviously super excited so they obviously focused on everything uh that they had in common considering that they were separate for the entire lives right. uh john did you want to go ahead and share those uh similarities, similarities with us so uh, a couple things that they went to go and have in common were that uh they all experienced like separation anxiety so um eventually at one point they all experienced a, a depression and then they were at, at another point they were banging their heads against the bars of the cri- their their cribs uh as well so it was just kind of interesting uh, how that you know they all had that all in common as well and they all went to go ahead one and thing make- sorry oh. right so the the fact that they were banging their heads on the cribs shows that they had separation anxiety mm-hmm. that wasn't yeah uh and then the uh last part over here is that all three made visits to the psychiatric uh, psychiatric psychiatric Psychiatric. Oh my God. Psychiatric. Psychiatric. Thank you. Hospitals as, as teenagers, um, and then I think they went to go and hit. hit uh, well, I mean, you know, go, go ahead and uh, you know dates or interact with like a, a similar women, correct? Yeah. So similar taste in women. They also found out they had a very like the same preference of cigarettes. They smoked Marlboro. the same brand, actually. Yeah, same brand of cigarettes. They all loved wrestling. Not just, like, watching wrestling, but they were wrestlers in high school. And they um, they all liked the same type of films. I didn't know that last part. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess that go ahead and compliments the nature aspect. Uh, Cassandra, would you like to go ahead and hit upon, like, what were the nurture uh, aspects? Oh, with- one, more, one more thing about the nature um, similarities. It wasn't until after everything, like, everything went down, after the film, where they were able to... Uh, get a 11,000 page of their actual research. Uh, David and Robert found out that all three of them suffered from a vision, the same vision problem called amplyopy. I don't know. (laughs) Well, thank you for chiming down on that. Yeah, they they all had essentially a lazy eye. All three of them had a lazy eye, but David was the only one who was able to get that fixed. So they didn't really know until after they found out through the pages mm-hmm. that they read. Wow. There's just so much about them that's, that they have in common. Um, Cassandra, would you like to go and talk about the uh, nurture uh, aspects within the film? Of course. So uh, when they first met the first few years, they obviously, again, focused on similarities because it was so easy to point out all the things they had in common. However, uh, after they started a business together and they realized they had different... Um, I guess, opinions in regards to work ethic that one of them actually ended up walking out and that was Robert. So he left uh, Edward and David to manage the restaurant that that had opened together. And to talk about personality-wise, Edward was the one that was most open. He was more kind. He was more outgoing. Mm -hmm. Uh, He interacted more. And he took it the hardest. Right? And this is when things started to go south and they started to realize uh the things that they had the differences they had based on the kind of the kind of environment that they grew up in Mm -hmm. so right after that uh edward was he went to a a psych ward for about three weeks went back to work one day he didn't show up to work uh david was worried and basically unfortunately edward killed himself he shot himself so then 
that's when they realized they had to address the fact that they their nurture made a difference. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just about nature. It was about the environment they grew up in. The way the experiment worked is that uh, the Lewis Weiss Agency placed these kids in separate homes, right? So they took twins and triplets in this case, and they placed them in separate homes. And then the leading psychi- uh, psychologist in the research, uh, Dr. Newber, basically followed the kids. Robert, in this case, was placed in an affluent family. Yep. His father was a medical ter- uh, doctor. His mother was an attorney. Edward was placed in a middle-class family. His father was a teacher. He had a college education. He had a good family, too. David was placed in a blue-collar family. He was, he had, uh, his adoptive parents were immigrants. And English was a second language to them. They owned, like, a small store. Mm-hmm. And if you just look at that part, you kind of think, okay, maybe they'll do, whoever has the more affluent family will do better. And then whoever has the lowest family do better. But then it goes more to that. It goes to the fact that it's also the interaction, so their parenting styles. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and again, they you point out like, in order for them to know or study the parenting styles, you have to have known the parenting styles before you place a child there. Correct. So another similarity that, that they had was that they all had an older sister. Who was also adopted from the same agency. Right. Again, another controlled factor. So they knew the parenting styles based on the child that was previously placed there. So when you place the child, you know what kind of environment you're placing them into. So growing up, these kids, um, some they were told they were adopted. The parents never kept it from them. Yeah. But Dr. Newber's uh, team basically followed them throughout their entire life. And... They would get visits from what they believe was the agency. They were to- the parents were told that they were just following the adoptive kids to make sure they were um, integrating properly into the family. But then, you know, you're giving these kids all these tests, and then you're recording their every move. Tests like uh, IQ test, personality test, eye-hand coordination test, Rogue Sharks ink block test, and things like that. And then you're filming all their physical activity. And then you basically find out through all of that, through all those controlled factors, the family placing, the parent placing, that nature plays a much more important role in all of this. So if you look at the father figure in all the families, uh, Robert, who again was placed in the affluent family, his father was always busy. He was a doctor, so you know. Makes sense. Yes. He didn't have as much time to be with Robert but he was devoted whenever he had the time. Then you go to the middle class, which was Edward. Unfortunately, the one who... Passed away. And you look at his father figure, and he had a very traditional father, someone who was strict, who was basically like, I'm the boss, you gotta do what I say. Yeah. And then uh, Edward's father actually stated after he passed away that they had a very quiet family that they protected each other, but they never talked about their problems. And again, that shows the nurture around Edward that played a role in the way he handled difficult situations. Or in this case, um, like when they had a struggle with running the restaurant together. And then you had David that was placed in a blue collar family. 
and who his father stood out to all of them. It was actually said that they all loved being with his father. They were with him the most. And he was the kind of father that is basically proud of everything you do. And again, it, sh it shows that the experiment showed that, I mean, you can deduct. The results have never been published, but um, you can deduct that the results, I mean, the, the experiment itself, or what we see, or what we know, uh, shows that while nature plays an important part, because like John said, they all suffered from uh, depression. depression. Uh, they were all at a psych ward at some point in their lives. Yeah. Uh, and they had the same mannerisms and traits and things like that, which obviously showed, but then you go and you give them a problem and based on how they were raised and where they were raised, their environment, they handled it differently. So I think this is a perfect example of how both of them basically matter to an ending result, I guess you can say. So I Makes think uh, that's that's really, um, it's interesting how they, when they go and provide like the nature, like in the beginning of the film, like they show like nature seemed like to dominate, but then uh, moving on forward, like later on in the film, they kind of like show the nurture aspect. So I'm gonna, I know we had like a question already started off, but I kind of want to go and pose a, another question to you all uh, and we, we can go spark a conversation. So I think- Hold up, bud. Uh, before we get to that, quick thing. So again, uh, the results were never published. Eventually, I think, I believe that they, they ended the experiment right when the triplets found out that they were triplets, that they came from the same agency. Yeah. That's when they closed the experiments, because I guess, you know, you know at this point you're going to be exposed if they keep digging deeper. So the agency closed, Lewis Weiss agency closed. Dr. Niebuhr passed away like in 2008, Correct. I think. And um, the results were never published. And basically they were sealed. Mm. Not meant to be open until uh, 2066. Basically, yes, when correct. everyone that was a subject in this experiment Would... is already passed away. Yeah. Basically, everything that everyone that was affected will no longer be around for the result of this. No one ever find out. So, David and Robert actually tried to get them, and they tried for so long, and they just kept getting denied. Mm -hmm. I do know that they were given, like Alex said, uh, 1,100 pages, but uh, while those pages contain. Uh, reports and things like that in the test they don't actually uh, contain a full conclusion or results they were all just um like records of like what they did like they were recording of them not the actual study itself so i guess uh thank you thank you for your comments i greatly appreciate that um so i kind of want to go ahead and kind of like you know stir the spot up a little bit and ask do you feel like what do, do you feel like nature kind of like dominates and dictates how someone becomes who they are and kind of like how they behave do you feel that nurture uh plays a little bit more of a role or do you feel like there's a, there's a blend like a 50 50 type idea so i kind of want to go ahead and ask uh you know what are your thoughts on that and then i'll go ahead and give my mine after that um i feel like they both go hand in hand because you you definitely really need like one with one needs one uh, you, one can't go on without the other i guess one needs to be supported by the other i believe do you have any example uh, to kind of like elaborate on that some yeah so something like let's say you have a family who are like who've had history of diabetes okay that's the nature part that's something genetic right so, his offspring will probably won't have it but they can they have the chance of having diabetes sure. um a way to combat that is to have a healthy diet to um 
have a regulated like have a regulated um like I guess like a healthy lifestyle mm-hmm. that can combat it okay. and that that kind of helps like go hand in hand I agree with what you're saying I just don't like the term they need each other or they go hand in hand or one's without the other yeah I kind of don't like that way of stating it okay. but I for example agree that it is I would say a good 50-50 yeah uh, your personality definitely depends a lot on your nature so basically things that you inherit and the way you're raised but I don't think I wouldn't say they're dependent on okay. each other oh what about you John what do you think what's okay. your percentage if you would have to break it up well if I were to go ahead and do that I feel like the nurture aspect might dominate so if I were to go ahead and say like present just kind of like roughly I would think about like 40% nature 60% nurture or like a 45 uh, nature or 55 around around that ballpark and I'll go and explain why so I think uh, you know your genetics are very important and they, they can like uh, you know start off with like the uh, physical traits uh, to go uh, kind of like start you off uh, right in your pursuit of life but let's say you know I guess uh, you know when you go on over to college like you know a major uh, life event could like happen like a kind of like life-changing type idea where um, certain things can be activated like certain genes will be activated until like something happens uh, okay so I think one of them let's say like if there was like uh, during my, my college days, like, let's say if I were to go ahead and go into, like, substance use or something like that, you know, and go under the influence, my life could have been completely different in terms of, like, how I went to go ahead and behave uh, with others, like, how I went to go and behave with, um, towards my family members, towards my friends, and how uh, that nurture aspect, the environments that I went to go and seek out, uh, and if I were to go towards that, it would completely kind of, like, change uh, how I kind of like interact with others and then the other thing too is that the, they mentioned within the film I, f- I forgot who, who said it but like a lot of people um, tend to overlook the will of someone as and, and sometimes they may be uh, kind of like looking straight uh, on towards of the genetics is that word the will like someone can go ahead uh, once they're a little bit older I think you mentioned it earlier like once they're a little bit older they have the will and they have the initiative to go and seek out for the environment there was a quote another quote that I want to go and mention I, I know you want to go and say something hold, uh, just give me one second so I think uh, there, was, there was a quote that said like go and show me your friends and I'll go and show you who you are so essentially who you surround yourself with will kind of like uh kind of like show you you kind of like uh how you behave in in a manner and uh kind of like you know uh in that regard uh so cassandra i think you wanted to go and say something i think you're ready to roll so i'll go and let you do that i can't remember the first thing i was going to say but it was in regards to something you said at the beginning but you were way too into it and i didn't want to like interrupt you so that i forgot that but uh yeah like you mentioned uh it was actually a conversation we had uh, prior to recording this that we actually asked ourselves the question of when do you think you get to choose how was it what was the question exactly uh, when do you when do you get to choose like when you can go and seek out for that specific advice i think oh the right yeah, right yeah. uh when what part of your life do you seek out your environment and it's basically whenever you're old enough to make your own decisions when you're younger you have no control over your environments uh your family basically controls your environment mm-hmm. they provide your surroundings you interact with them and whatever people they allow you interact but i think as soon as you start going to school where you're doing this thing on your own you're choosing the people you're interacting with and the environment that you're placing yourself in and then 
I mean, when you're younger, it's basically half and half. At school, when you're on your own, you're choosing your environment. You're choosing your experiences. But then you're still, you go home, and that other half of your life, your family's choosing that environment for you. It isn't until you're older and you're able to basically decide when you go where you go that you're, for the most part, controlling where you want to be. Obviously, there's other external factors that you have no control over, but mm -hmm. at least the people that you choose to interact with, the experiences that you choose to experience. Thank you for that, that comment. And I think the other thing that kind of like uh, show, like kind of like uh, I feel that nurture kind of like dominates over the nature aspect. There's actually, you know, a study like we, I think you mentioned earlier, like epigenetics, so like kind of like, uh, you know, the study of in, uh, heritable phenotype changes that cannot that do not involve alterations within the uh, DNA. So, you know, these are kind of like, you know, the interactions, the experiences you have. So like, you know, with certain experience or kind of like uh, events that were to happen, or something like that, this could kind of like change like the traits uh, that you possess and can kind of like, a, um, you know, it, it could be, um, you know, affected for, for the rest of your life. So that's why I personally feel that nurture kind of like uh, dominates on over uh, to uh, over the, the nature. So I'll go and say like the 60 uh, percent nurtures 40 percent uh, nature because i i feel that uh you know the interactions you know the and the experiences that you have um really do play a big role um and uh you know how we are brought up and how we kind of like behave and interact with others uh i completely agree uh did you guys want to provide an example for this i actually have one a pretty good didn't, one didn't i provide one either? you provided a um a scenario yeah, that, that is an example. <laughs> so I'll go ahead and give my example for this situation. Um, personally, <clears throat> I struggle with anger management issues. I always had. Um, and that's definitely inherited because I'm not going to say who, but there's obviously someone in my family who also has a very, um, who's very short tempered as well. And I think, so that's the nature aspect, right? The nurture part is that I come from a very uh, loving and understanding family mm -hmm. where um, basically my parents have supported me in everything I've done. If I made a mistake, they were like, it's okay, like, you'll fix it, you'll figure it out, things like that. So I, I definitely think uh, their support for me, their nurture of me has helped me to better manage that anger throughout my life where I don't have like these burst that you see other people have or um basically i can hold a conversation or a discussion a disagreement without necessarily getting uh verbally verbally aggressive yeah. so i think that would be my uh personal example to support this uh nature versus nurture where nature is again it's who you are but depending on how you're nurtured it kind of like controls where that nature takes you mm, right. okay Cool. Good example. Alex, did you, you want, want to talk about it or do you want me to go, Alex? Go ahead. Okay. I thought you already gave your example. Yeah. I did? You literally just said, I just gave my example. <laughs> I, I, I You're out. You're I out. I didn't know we were talking about life ex our own life experience. That's I'm an sorry. example, John. Alex, sorry, I, I want to go and highlight another one. Sorry. No, you, you I'm, I'm just going to shut up now. Nature, yeah. Um, for my example, I am going to use the diabetes thing because I do come from... Uh, I do come from a line in my family where most of them have suffered or passed away due to diabetes or uh, diabetic symptoms, I guess, or mm -hmm. problems. 
Um, there is a chance that I might get it later in the future, but that's the nature part. But the, the way that I, I can deal with it, I can minimize my risk of getting it. So I've, growing up, I, I've been trying to like keep down and like control my weight, control what I eat and like what I do mm-hmm. or what I don't do. Yeah, that's my example. Okay, cool. I think uh, for my example, I when I've I guess for the nature aspect, I've always been generally be uh, been hungry. Like you know, whenever I was you know we ate breakfast on Sunday mornings, um, my parents would be like, "Hey yo, like if you're not done, if you can't finish your food, just give it to John, give it to the vacuum because he's gonna go and eat it up and stuff like that." So that was uh, the uh, I guess the nature part. I've always been I've always had a big appetite. but the nurture aspect is that since I go ahead and uh, actively hit the gym, I have a little home gym, gym setup back in my home and stuff like that. And I, I you know, I, I run and, you know, I kind of like do those things. I feel that, you know, um, it, I think a bodybuilder went to go and say it really, really well and said that, uh, you know, working out is going to be the stimulus to kind of like go ahead and, you know, provide, you know, get, want you to get like more food to be able to recover and things like that. And because of this, um, I'm able to go in and keep myself within shape. Um, I'm able to go ahead and uh, kind of cater to myself uh, physically and mentally, making sure I kind of like alleviate the stress, uh, stress levels. Um, I'm able to kind of like help myself uh, regulate uh, my health. I'm able to go ahead and regulate kind of like my stress. And I, you know, once uh, I'm done with that workout, you know, I'm vibing with like whatever music, you know, um, and that's just... That's just how it is. I guess that's my nature nurture example. Final thoughts? Anything, John? Um, I guess uh, my my final thoughts are essentially like, um, you know, you go ahead and embrace uh, who you are. And guess in the nature aspect, like I, I think, uh, um, you know, you love yourself. Uh, appreciate you who you are you know we we have some strengths and we you know there's some shortcomings that we have but go ahead and embrace those um and you know within the nurture aspect you know go ahead and seek out that environment uh that you feel that is um you know that's gonna you know um i guess better you uh motivate you and stuff like that so i guess like for me like i, I i'm going to like a little motivational tangent but like go ahead and seek out and and uh uh, be with others that are like-minded. Uh, be with others that uh, will will take care of you, and, um, you know, and vice versa, and things like that. I think uh, that's gonna that's gonna help you out, out in the long run in life um, because you're you know the people that are around you, like my friends that I have right here, um, have helped me uh, a lot uh, out with my flaws for sure, and the, and they they've nurtured me pretty well. So I guess that's I guess some advice that I have, or like just my thoughts. Thank you, John. Alex. It doesn't have to be a motivational speech. You can just summarize if you want. <laughs> I mean, cause I guess for people who like still doesn't like have any questions or don't really understand what the debate is, I definitely would um you know look into it. If you need some sort of reference, definitely check out three uh, three identical strangers. Besides, you know, helping understand what the study is, it, it's an amazing documentary. It is. I agree. All right. Well, that that was a such a great, uh, rich discussion, and we got to hear about like uh, so many great things. I mean, I'm so, I'm still gonna watch uh, more about the movie for sure because it's. I mean, from I, I have to watch now. <laughs> but uh, I guess w- with that being said, we want to go and thank you all. Uh, no, hold on, hold on. Give oh, me a second. Oh, oh. Alex, do you want to sh- uh, choose the topic 
for next episodes? For our next episode, we're going to be talking about music. Then and now. Then oh. and now, and it's some of our favorites. Man. So right. we decided to do 100 years of music, basically. So yep. we'll hit, we'll basically go from 1920 to 2020. Correct. Uh, hit each decade by most popular genres, I guess. We'll discuss some of our favorites from each decade. Mm-hmm. And there you have it. And sounds like a plan. I am looking forward to go ahead and bring. We're gonna go and bring in the music heat with uh, with you all with the decades. But uh, thank you all for jo- joining us today, and we go ahead and uh, wish you a great night. Take care, everyone. Bye, guys. Later.